Hello and welcome back to the Applied Medic Podcast. If you're new here, my name's Chris. I am a fifth-year medical student studying at the University of Edinburgh and the, I am the host of the Applied Medic Podcast and the founder of Applied Medic. And so today I have another very special guest with me. Her name is Giovanna and she is a Foundation Year One junior doctor uh, working in Northern Ireland in the NHS. And so I won't give anything else away. I'll let Giovanna give um, a more kind of detailed introduction to herself. Um, but first, hi, Giovanna. How are you? Hello, I'm good. How about you? Yeah, I'm great. Thank you. Um, so would you mind just kind of introducing yourself to the audience and just kind of giving a more kind of detailed uh, breakdown of who you are and what you do? OK, so my name is Giovanna and I'm a junior doctor. I'm an F1 doctor in Northern Ireland. So I'm already six months into my training. So I'll be doing my F1 and my F2 in Northern Ireland. So the first year I'll be in Enniskillen, County Fermanagh. And the second year I'll be in Belfast. So currently I'm in medicine rotation and yeah. Very nice. How is it going so far? Um, it's good, but it's stressful. A lot yeah, of work. I can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> is it quite busy in the hospital that you're in? Is it like a, a large kind of tertiary centre or is it more of like a, a smaller district general hospital? No, it's uh, it's a bit smaller than okay. the other hospitals, nice. but it's still as busy because you're less staffed. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. That makes sense. So the the way that I, I was kind of thinking that we could take this, this episode is um, to take it in a more kind of chronological timeline of uh, your kind of journey and experience uh, in medicine and so I was wondering if you could first kind of break down for the audience uh, your initial steps towards becoming interested in medicine and applying to medical school in the first place what what was the kind of what was there any particular inspiration for you to decide to to want to study medicine? So, yeah, I'm sure everybody has, like, so many stories on why they wanted to do medicine or why they wanted to become a doctor. Mine's just nothing special, to be honest. Um, I didn't even really decide until the really last minute. So I was always I was always interested in science, and I always knew I wanted to do something with um, a background in science. And... So I had a few things in mind. Um, I wanted to do psychology or forensic science. So I was okay. looking into those two as well. But I also had an interest in oncology. So that was why I was more interested towards medicine. But mm -hmm. I wasn't really sure of what I'd like to do or which one I'd pick. So I looked into all of it. And I don't have like a weird and wonderful story like most people do. Maybe they went through something, their families, but no, it was just, I was just going through that and I just decided then I think medicine would be the best option for me. Mm -hmm. And I think I'd have it because I, the way I decided on it was if I look at myself in like 10 years, would I be happy doing what I was doing? Mm -hmm. Like, would I enjoy it? Because it's really hard going to work every day and you not enjoying what you're doing. Absolutely. So. It's something you want to look at. Like, if you know you're going to enjoy what you're doing, then I think that's the best option for you. Definitely, definitely. And so did you apply to medical school um, as a school leaver or did you do anything before that? No, I applied uh, when I was in 12th grade, which is the last year of school. Okay, um, okay. So I think that's around when you were 17. Yeah. Yep. So that's when we applied to college. And so I was looking into medicine in different areas. So I was really particularly uh, inclined towards Ireland because my mom's Irish. So okay. my mom's Irish, my dad's Sri Lankan. So um, I really wanted to go to Ireland for that reason why. And so I was looking into schools in Ireland and that's how I ended up in Ireland. Okay, and so so did you go to medical school in Northern Ireland? No, it was actually in like Republic of Ireland in Dublin. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. 
Oh, very interesting. So, um, okay. So you, sorry, I'm, I'm just trying to kind of draw everything together there. So um, you decided to study uh, medical school in the Republic of Ireland. Um, and so how did you then prepare for the the kind of med school admissions? Because I, I can imagine that um, at least I think that the Republic of Ireland has similar kind of admissions tests to see if you were trying to get into uh, medical school in the UK, um, like UCAT or BMAT, you know, there's the similar kind of entrance exams um, to those. Is that right? Yeah. So if you're applying to, because I went to RCSI for the first few years and we didn't, we just had to get through our A-levels. There was a certain grade that you had to meet and then once you do that, as long as you do either the A-levels, which is like the advanced level in Cambridge, Cambridge mm. advanced level exams, or the IB exams. So you needed to do that and you needed particular subjects. I think it was biology, chemistry, and I don't remember. I think those two were the main ones. And you also had to have your IELTS, the IL exams. So it's like an English okay. exam that they want you right, to okay. it's a requirement. But we didn't have to do any other additional exams. Okay. okay. So that was easy enough. Right. And um, how how was the whole process for you actually applying to medical school and, and going through like the interviews and, and that whole kind of process? Um, it was tough. To be honest, I probably didn't know what I was doing at the beginning. So... It was more like, it's very difficult trying to find out how to apply, when to apply by. And if you're medical school, if you're, sorry, not medical school, if your school isn't really helping you out, it's a bit hard. Mm-hmm. And especially if you're looking for something outside of uh, where you're going to be. So like I was in Sri Lanka at the time. So I was looking into Ireland and like, you had to do a lot of research and a lot of finding out what 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 each medical school wants from you, what the mm-hmm. grades are, uh, what else they look into, and when the interviews are, the application process, and everything you needed to find out. So there was a lot of research. And to be honest, I have to give my mom the credit because she probably did most of it. <laughs> so, well, I mean, I think at, at that kind of age, you know, like, 16 17 years old you know you, at least for me I, I hardly even thought you know a couple of weeks ahead in my life yeah. never mind thinking you know years or decades exactly, um, ahead yeah. you know at least from my experience it just I, I was living in the moment at that kind of age and so yeah. you, you never really look towards the future in that sense so it is a very it's a very odd time actually you know to to actually have to to make, make those kind of decisions that will make yeah. such a huge impact on, on you know your your potential happiness and and your kind of role within society for the rest of your life. So it, yeah, it's it's an odd age to have to, to to have that pressure put on you. Yeah, it really is. Because I probably if if it wasn't for my mom, I probably wouldn't be where I am today. Mm-hmm. She's the one Absolutely. who did all the research, the application process, the deadline, yep. like. Definitely. And I, I feel like a, a lot of people, I would imagine that, you know, quite a few people who maybe had that sort of input from from the parents, actually, particularly through something like, you know, university, applying to, to different universities or applying to medical school, um, to have a lot of parental input when it, you're in secondary school, um, there was absolutely nothing wrong with that. And a lot of people... I guess feel as though oh they've not done it completely you know on their own and themselves and they've they've had to have help from their parents and I don't know they kind of allow themselves to get down by that thought but actually at six fifteen realistically is the age yeah. where you have to at least start thinking about um, applying to medical school to get work experience etc and so really at that age you can't do anything on your own you know you can just exactly. about study and revise but you know you, you you can't do much else because you don't have that much life experience and actually. At those kind of ages, like 15, 16, 17, you do need the parental input. Um, yeah. And that's incredibly important. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And if you're so fortunate enough to, to, to have that sort of input and that support um, from your parents, that's 
that's an incredible thing. And actually, people should just, if they have the opportunity for that and their parents to help them out, they should celebrate it, you know, instead of yeah, kind of getting themselves down because of it. Yeah, definitely. I agree with you on that. Right, very quick break from the podcast, um, just to tell you guys about applymedic.com. And so this is a website that's dedicated to helping students in the UK through the medical school applications process. And we offer a number of the services, including uh, personal statement reviews and full one-to-one detailed and specific mock interviews for the the university of your choice. And we also have just released our brand new ebook, um, taking you through step-by-step through everything that you need to know um, to ace your medical school interviews. So I'll leave a link to applymedic.com in the show notes down below. Back to the episode. Nice. Uh, so that's the, the 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 kind of medical school admission side of things. I, I think I, I focused a lot on that side of things in previous episodes. So I actually kind of want to to focus more in your case on on your experience of medical school. Um, and and your experiences so far now as as a junior doctor, so that listeners, especially if they're applying to medical school, they can actually kind of get a realistic understanding for for what it's actually like on the other side when when they actually do uh, get an offer for medical school and, and go through that whole journey. Um, so, um, what what medical school was it that you went to? I was in RCSI, the Royal College of Surgeons it's, in Ireland. Okay, okay, very yeah. nice. Um, I think there's a very prestigious medical school in in the Republic of Ireland. Um, so, so how how was that for you? Um, actually, you know, starting medical school. So the first four years, the first four years I did it in Ireland, and the okay. last two and a half was in Malaysia, because right. RCSI okay. has a joint uh, college in Malaysia. Okay. So. There's like literally about 50 students from RCSI and about 50 students from UCD. It's another college in Dublin who actually go there to do uh, the clinical years. So I had a wow, bit of very break. interesting. Yeah. yeah. So then um, just to go a little bit more kind of in depth in that, how how was the, so I'd assume that it's, it's um, four preclinical years and what, two, Two clinical years is that is that right? It's two and a half. uh, Yeah, it was two and a half. Two and a half preclinicals, and two and a half clinicals. Right. Okay. So you did some of the clinicals in uh, Ireland, and then the rest in Malaysia. Yeah. So mainly, most of it was in Malaysia. Yeah. Okay. And so, kind of going a bit more in depth into the preclinical years, how, how was that experience for you first coming into medical school and, and doing the preclinical years in Ireland? Um, I found that the preclinicals were the hardest. I think people find it, I think people find it more like the other way around. Mm-hmm. But for me, I thought that from med school, from not med school, sorry, I keep referring to med school, from college to, from school to college, it yep. was a big jump. It was a big mm-hmm. jump. Like, there's so much material you need to cover in such a short period of time. And when you're yep. in school, it, things are a bit easier, I found. Um, it was a huge jump, especially the first year. There's a lot of getting used to, trying to figure out how to study. And, like, because you'd be in college till five. Usually in school, you're done at two. So yep. you have the rest of the day. But in college, you're in at really odd times. You're in at eight, and then you're not done till five. And like, I found it quite hard. It's a, it's a different uh, ball game, I'd say. Definitely. I mean, I, I had a slightly different perspective because I came mm-hmm. in as a, or I'd already done a degree and kind of been through all that process. So when I went into, because I went directly into the second year of med school at Edinburgh okay. Uni, and so. Um, I mean, it, it it was it was a lot, but I'd already been through so much already. I already had the confidence in knowing how to study at university, which already is completely different from studying in secondary school. Um, and yeah. so I already had a lot of the kind of tools. Um, I, I was already equipped with a lot of the tools to to deal with that sort of pressure. But it, it is very different medicine compared to any other university degree from what I've experienced so far in that 
you know, like say like a, a normal kind of biomedical degree that you would do for say like four years in Scotland or three years uh, in England, um, it's you you learn as you progress throughout the years, you learn a lot about a little. Uh, because you go into so much niche detail on these, yeah. like, you know, odd cellular pathways and, yeah. um, you know, these metabolic, um, you know, signaling things and all that kind of stuff. Um, and yeah. the kind of niche uh, molecular detail, uh, say, yeah. for one of the kind of allied uh, degrees that you would do that's kind of related to medicine. Um, whereas in med school, you learn a lot about a lot and it's it's such a breadth of of knowledge because there's all these different specialties and you know it's 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 and it's you have to know you know the 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 diagnose how to diagnose it you have to understand the signs and symptoms of each of these conditions and the different you know first line second line sometimes even third line uh management exactly and then all the side effects of those possible managements and everything like that and it and it's for you know all these conditions whether it's rheumatology or um or urology or neurology whatever that is you you know you have to to know all of them in that much depth um by the time you get to finals and so it can be so overwhelming I, I can imagine only imagine for you know like a first year medical student coming in um and then having to deal with that because i mean th- did you get any particular training from the medical school to deal with that kind of transition into university life and and just how different the 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 atmosphere than the study uh, routine and techniques are. No, I don't think we ever got anything before we joined medical school. But mm-hmm. I feel like if you always needed help, needed extra attention, they you could go to them. So they were yeah. open. There's a whole team who would be open to like looking into things and figuring out ways and whatnot. So there is always help. You just need to find it. Yeah, definitely. And were you particularly overwhelmed when you first came into the the first year of medical school with the workload? I think I didn't realize because I think what happened in school was you just wait for the last minute to study. So two weeks before the exam, you're like, oh, okay, time to start uh, studying but then if you I tried to do that when I got to med school and I realized that was a big mistake Mm -hmm. like for me I know there are still some people I have friends who literally study last minute so and they'd be able to get through because they don't really they'd they'd be awake all night studying so they don't really they don't mind like studying like a crash course Mm -hmm. but for me I need to study like over a longer period of time I need my breaks I need I can only take so much over a certain number of hours and then I need to rest you know so I think it also depends on the kind of person you are but I think mostly it would be really 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 good for you to actually start studying on day one I mean not particularly day one but like right at the beginning yeah absolutely I agree um I think little and often is the mantra that you have to kind of stick by uh, yeah. as soon as you get into medical school uh, yeah. and kind of taking I mean the, the way that I usually do it is like any kind of spare moment where I have the energy to do something I will try and do something whether it's like bringing up uh, like uh, MCQ questions like pass med for instance like you know if you if the, if anyone listening you know isn't in medical school right now or just in medical school and the med school applicants you will know you know websites like like past medicine yeah. and all that because they are like the standards for a lot of medical students for yeah. uh, like uh, practice multiple choice questions for exam exam uh, revision and everything like that um so you will get to know all of these kind of resources pretty soon um but you know having those kind of resources where you can just kind of jump in and out all the time uh, at regular intervals uh, throughout the year um, and do little bit often is, I mean, I've found that in terms of my stress levels, when it's come to exams, see, when it's come to exam season, um, is is I'm just so much more relaxed yeah. um, when I get to that sort of point. And it does make a huge difference. And one of the other things that, that I found between, as a main difference between studying at, say, secondary school and transition into university slash medical school um and the way to study is um that you're no longer studying for the sake of studying you 
are now on a, on a vocational course. And actually, all of the knowledge that you're trying to gain and retain uh, and understand is actually directly relevant to the the work that you're going into. And actually, you know, patients are involved. And so um, if you don't know how to prescribe fluids or um, how to notice like red flag symptoms for someone presenting uh, with, I don't know, back pain or, you know, and, and realize the more kind of sinister um, emergency type things that, that could cause certain symptoms, then, well, actually it's it's patients that could suffer for that. And actually I feel like, at least for me, that's been far more of a, a kind of natural driving force um, to study little and often because then, well, it's only through space repetition and active recall that you actually retain information on a long-term basis. How, how, have, how have you found the kind of yeah, your, your motivation to study? Yeah. I, I completely agree with you, Chris. Say when you're working now and then you're like, oh, if I like there's something that comes up about a drug and its side effects. So if it's like an ACE inhibitor and the side effects, and you know you learned it in med school, but these are things that are actually going to come up even when you work. And they all add exactly. up, even the preclinicals. Whatever you learn there is what you're going to learn in clinicals as well. More like you'll know how things work behind. Like for if you're in clinicals and you want to know the patient's in overload or whatever, how you you need your first year and second year knowledge yeah. to kind of understand why this is happening. Definitely. Like patient has um, pulmonary edema or like pitting edema, you need to know why, how it happens. So all the yeah. first year and second year things come in handy. Exactly. I completely agree. And so it, if... So you mentioned that like you you think that you did first year of medical school maybe a, a little bit wrong from your perspective and that you might kind of go back and, and change things and that you you kind of still stuck by the, the kind of typical uh, high school study technique of trying to cram, uh, you know, kind of closer to the exam period instead of doing things little and often. Is, is there anything in particular that you would change uh, if you were to go back and redo first year to kind of reduce the stress uh, of of medical school and exams, I suppose, for any kind of incoming uh, first year medical students? I think one of the things is I probably wouldn't have left everything for the last minute. Mm -hmm. But then I think I changed that over second year and third year. But yep. still, I found it uh, quite tough. I struggled a bit, I'd say. And it was just learning how to study. I think it was just trying to figure out what was best for you. Mm -hmm. And I think that takes time. And you're not going to figure it out right away. It's going to take time. You're going to trial and error. And then you'll realize, Definitely. okay, this is how it works. Exactly. Completely agree with that. It, it is a lot of trial and error. And it is frustrating, but actually... It's a bit of a superpower once you actually do find yeah. um, your favourite study routine or study techniques and you actually know what works for you so yeah. that you can just go to that every time and you know that's going to be the high issue thing for you. Um, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And so what what was your, your kind of optimum study routine or study approach actually when, when you were in medical school? So when it came down to clinical years, it was more like, You'd be in hospital most of the day and maybe afterwards, probably after lunch, you might either stay in hospital or you might go back to college for lectures mm -hmm. or tutorials or whatever. So I always found that uh, come, when I came home, I'm just dead tired. Mm -hmm. Like you're done at five. By the time you get home, it's half five, six. You have your lunch, it's nearly, sorry, your dinner and it's nearly seven. And like you don't really have the time. And I'm the kind of person I'd be in bed really early, probably around 10. Oh, I wish I was um, like that. <laughs> oh, are you like that? No, I wish I was like that. Oh, you wish you were like that. Okay, yeah. yeah. So I think everybody used to make fun of me because they knew if they contacted me after half nine, I'd be asleep. <laughs> so they'd be like, oh, Joe, that's typical of you. But I would try and wake up early. So I'd try to wake up half five, maybe six, okay. before the day starts to yeah. get and I felt that that was when my brain works the best. I can absorb the mm -hmm. most. 
because I found that coming back home and when you're tired, I'm not going to really get anything, even if I force myself. So yeah. you just have to find what's right for you. Definitely. That makes a lot of sense. And so actually you mentioning about uh, you being a, uh, on placement in hospital for, for most of the day, actually that kind of links to the, to the next part that I wanted to talk about. And that is the, the clinical years. Um, so it's, I'd quite like to actually separate it, separate the, the clinical years into, into two distinct parts. The, the part of the clinical years in in Ireland and um, the the clinical years in Malaysia. So, how were the the initial clinical years um, that you spent in Ireland? How how did you find that experience? So when we we never really went. We didn't completely start clinical years until I was in Malaysia. So right, I wasn't okay. in hospitals in right. Ireland. It was just probably like random GP visits and stuff that we did in we did in Ireland. But literally okay. everything else, like hospital-wise, was in uh, Malaysia. Okay, okay. Um, and so w- with those kind of, well, I mean, Edinburgh Uni worked in kind of the same way in that we had, I think it was called Introduction to Clinical Practice, which was like a specific module in the second year of the medicine degree um, where you went into the GP practice uh, one day a week. Uh, and spent some time teaching sometimes patients came in and you would go downstairs into the consultation rooms and you would uh, practice you know examinations on the patients and take a history from them uh, relevant to you know their the actual past medical history um, or, and they'd have like you know maybe specific signs and symptoms relating to the conditions that they had um, and so it was that kind of similar experience that, that you had when you were first introduced to, to clinical practice like the, the first kind of introduction to um, clinical placement I'd say it was similar during uh, preclinicals. Okay. That we mainly did that when we were in preclinical. So we'd be sent out to a GP, just see what a consultation is like, try a consultation mm-hmm. yourself. And that was more, I'd say, in preclinicals. And then clinicals, you just had to like go in, like they just throw you in. There you are now. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so how was that first experience then? Because, I mean, from what I found... Uh, during my experiences you did feel very I don't know like very well supported uh, when you were uh, when I was doing like the introduction to clinical practice where it was a very controlled environment and the patients came in came in specifically just to see you and it wasn't you know an actual consultation it was just uh, you know them coming in to have a chat with you because the the GP asked them uh, to to come in and do that Um, as opposed to you know actually being on clinical placements and you actually having uh, clinical responsibilities so uh, how was the first kind of real clinical placement for you as a medical student how did you find that experience so for us I remember my first rotation was medicine it was medicine cert was medicine surgery and family med I think so okay. we were literally we were assigned in hospital so we go in we go in in the morning we go there are patients who are like admitted to the hospital so you go to all the medical wards then you go and try and find a patient who is willing to talk to you mm-hmm. and you speak to the patient you take a history from the patient you're not supposed to go and read their files you're supposed to like go fresh and just take a history and yep. then um you do a full clerk in and an examination and then you have our teaching later on that day. So every day we have teachings. So after that, each one of us has to have our own patient. And okay. once the teaching starts, the teacher, like the professor, the doctor would like pick one of us to uh, give out the history and our examination findings. When we do that, he'd listen to it. And then we go to the patient, all of us, and we examine him in front of the doctor who's there and then he'd be asking you questions on how to manage the patient investigate and that would usually be a routine for clinicals okay so how was that first experience because i can imagine at least for me it is quite daunting actually the first time doing that and someone actually watching you do, yeah. you know, do the the history and the examination and and you know you're doing it in front of other medical students as well and there is that pressure to because you're doing it in front of your peers and so 
you you really want to do it right and you don't want to mess up how, yeah. how was it how, how was that kind of first experience of of that kind of environment for you I think it was stressful but at the end of the day everyone's in the same boat mm. everyone's feeling the same way everyone's yeah. just trying to help each other everyone's trying to do the best they can yeah so as much as it is nerve-wracking like you just have to get through it and then with time you get used to it and you get more confident so yeah. the beginning is always hard whatever it is you're doing yeah definitely and with you doing the clinical years in Malaysia mm-hmm. how was that experience for you um you know spending the first two and a half years in in Ireland but then actually going to a completely different kind of culture and environment um and just I, I suppose like you know the, the maybe the structure of the the kind of overall uh, health system or how everything kind of runs I'm not quite sure how how everything uh, how the healthcare system actually kind of runs in um Malaysia but how was that kind of experience for you uh holistically I think it was very difficult I think it wasn't just me, it was a lot of the international students found it difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the people who went back were Malaysian, but there was about 15, okay. 16 of us, uh, some of them from, um, there were two from Japan, Hong Kong, mm-hmm. um, Nigeria, a uh, few from different, Brunei, different, different countries, right, okay. Thailand. So there were quite a few of us, and I think they were a close-knit group. So mm-hmm. we were, like, even with the language barrier, pa- many patients couldn't really speak English, so yeah. we needed a translator. Right, so that okay. Was a, that was, like, a huge barrier we mm-hmm. had to overcome. Yeah, because I, I was, I think that was the main thing that I was, uh, the, the, it was the main thing that I wasn't entirely sure about in terms of how that worked. Like if there was maybe any particular requirements for learning the 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 local language, uh, you know, before you then started uh, the the placement abroad. So that, that was there not any kind of requirements like that? And so it was mostly just kind of um, relying on like the interpreter being there throughout consultations. Yeah, it was mostly we relied on them or other okay. Malaysian students, but they right, did okay. make us study the language when we came there, when we when we got there. Okay. For a year, they taught us, what, was it an year, half a year or something like that? There was one okay. particular module we had to finish, but obviously, like, you wouldn't be able to take a history from a patient with just six months, yeah. of, you know? Yeah. It wasn't exactly. ideal. Okay. And what was it that... What was it that convinced you to go for that opportunity in the first place? I don't really know. So it wasn't even RCSI I was looking into. It was mm-hmm. uh, UCD, University College Dublin. Okay. So I didn't really know much about RCSI or anything. But when I had applied, I think I applied late. And then there were only places for that particular program, the one with the Malaysian thing so we applied oh, right. to be okay. honest didn't even think we'd think I'd get in it when I was applying mm-hmm. so I did and when when they accepted me they gave me a choice actually between our UCD or RCSI so you got to pick right. one and I was like oh RCSI let me look into it and then we looked into it and we were like oh okay so that's how I ended up picking RCSI actually and coming across RCSI Okay. Uh, okay. I had I didn't intend on going to RCSI or like I didn't really know much about RCSI. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's how that happened. Yeah. And so, how did so throughout the the last uh, you know two and a half years when you were spending um, the the clinical years in Malaysia, um, d- did you go back to Ireland at any point uh, during that time? I mean, for specific. Uh, clinical placements or was everything in Malaysia after that point no everything was in Malaysia everything okay and and how how was your experience as it progressed did it did it kind of become easier to kind of get through like say for instance the language barriers and working with the interpreters or you know any particular cultural differences um how was it as as time progressed I think it got way easier Mm -hmm. like 
when you get used to something, it becomes easier. Yeah. So there was yeah. a lot of getting used to like the first few months. And then you have a good support system. You've got good friends. You've got everything. Mm-hmm. It makes things easier. So I think it got way easier to the point that you actually enjoyed it. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Um, and so after medical school, um, we'll, we'll then kind of drift into the, 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 the last kind of main uh, topic that, that I want to discuss. And, and that's actually after passing finals and uh, applying for foundation year one jobs, which for anyone listening is, is the first job that, that you do once you qualify as a doctor, you do two years foundation, which is abbreviated to F1 and F2. And then you go forward after that, um, at least in the NHS, uh, in the UK, that's the system that they use. And then after those two years, you can, you can specialize in whatever training pathway that you want. Um, And so what was it that made you go from studying in, uh, studying in a medical school in the Republic of Ireland, doing the clinical years in Malaysia, but then actually applying to foundation year in uh, the UK, in, in Northern Ireland. What, what was it that made you make that, that geographical change? Okay, so when all my life, I probably went thinking that like I'm definitely going to work in Ireland. Mm-hmm. So when, I, when we started applying... Uh, to Ireland there's a lot of people from my medical school who applied to Ireland because we all came from Ireland yeah. when we were there and like, obviously lots of people wanted to go back and stuff and then they told us that we had to apply and there's only, they're only going to pick a very few number of people did they right, say okay. three five or seven out of like everybody like three from our college so they said they'd pick a very few and you had to sit an exam and so it was in the midst of our final that they made us sit an exam. It was a two-part exam. So when we sat the exam, we really had no clue what was happening. We didn't mm-hmm. have past papers. We didn't have nothing. But we sat the exam, and there was literally, if I, if you say probably 90% or 92%, never got through that exam. So right. I was, yeah, we didn't get, in, get through the exam. In the sense, they only passed probably 10% of the people. Well, Yeah. So in the end, so many people fail that exam. And mm-hmm. then that's literally why I didn't end up in Ireland. So okay. my sister, she was, she was, um, she's in the same year as me. So we did med school together. She's an F1 doctor as well. Um, okay. So neither did she, none of our friends. There's actually two of our friends who actually ended up going to Ireland right. that I know okay. well. so that's when I was like oh UK let me see like let me look into UK and then I realized it was way easier to get into UK mm-hmm. than Ireland even though your degree is Irish you are a citizen in Ireland like an Irish passport like you're Irish but you can't get into it like they made it so difficult Ireland's made it so difficult to well, get in I never knew anywhere. that was yeah, I never knew that it was it was like that at the moment. Yeah, we had to sit an exam. And for UK, I didn't have to sit an exam. I just applied. Mm. And then you well, sit okay. the SJT. Yeah. Uh, even you have to sit, even though you're, you've gone to medical school in the UK. And that's it. Yeah. Wow. So okay. it was way easier getting in. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's very interesting. and And so... You're, was it six months in to F1 at the moment? Yeah, six months. Yeah, okay. Um, and so how how was it transitioning from medical school into F1 later than your first rotation? Yeah, uh, that's an interesting question. <laughs> I think everyone's really nervous when we're going and we're like, oh my God, yeah. so much responsibility. And sometimes you're like, even now, the nurses turn around and like they'd say so are you happy enough for the patient to do this and you're like oh my god you're actually asking me like <laughs> what if I say something wrong like you know you're like so nervous mm. and you're like oh my god there's so much responsibility but I feel like it's a lot of getting used to more like as an F1 your job is literally take bloods 
ABGs, cannulas, discharge yeah. letters, writing mm-hmm. card exits, prescribing. That's literally your, your job. Yeah. Unless it's like a weekend or like you're on nights, then you go to like a really, really sick patient or if there's a sick patient in your ward. But usually the managing part of a patient is usually done by an F2. Yeah. So you're okay. more like the clinical, clinical handyman. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's, it's more... It's it's a lot of admin from what I've yeah. seen uh, with the majority of the role for the FIs. Yeah. If there's one thing I'd say, like, would have made it easier, my transition would have been if I was more, if I had done more bloods, I've done cannulas, I would have been uh, probably more equipped. It was a lot of getting okay. used to. Mm-hmm. So I feel like if you're in fourth year, fifth year, and you want to get used to, being an F1, I think the best thing you could do is like practice cannulas, taking blood, because once you're in there, they expect you to know it and how to do it. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Because not every patient's going to have fabulous veins. Yeah. (laughs) You know, so you need a lot of Exactly. Yeah, definitely. Um, And it's, it's a bit more kind of, it's a bit more kind of pressure put on you because from what I've experienced so far, um, is that a lot of the times maybe the the nurses will do it first and if um, the patient's very difficult to cannulate or take bloods from and, and they can't do it, um, then they'll then escalate that um, to, to the doctors uh, or even sometimes the medical students in my case. Um, and so, you know, you you really won't really, as, a, as like an FY, the med student or whatever, you usually won't get the patients who do have really easy veins yeah. because, um, you know, if the nurses are free, they'll just do it. But actually it's the more difficult ones that are sometimes escalated to you. And yeah. so, yeah, you really <laughs> you really do need to know what you're doing. Exactly, um, yeah. And yeah, the more the experience you have, uh, actually just the more you don't even need to think about it. You know, you just do it. It's just, um, it's just kind of uh, muscle memory at that point. Yeah. Um, and I feel like I've been, I've been quite fortunate actually in terms of the clinical skills side of things because like I spent time on, you know, like medical wards, like respiratory wards or uh, cardiovascular, uh, uh, respiratory wards or, or cardio uh, wards and it's a cardiology wards and, you know, all the patients there are either getting cannulas inserted or getting bloods taken uh, for whatever reason. And the, the junior doctors usually just offload that onto the medical students. So actually sometimes you find that you're doing like 10 taking 10 sets of blood so you know like in certain you know four yeah. um cannulas per day and and actually exactly. it, you just become so um confident in it by the end um and i feel like if, if as a medical student if you do have those kind of opportunities make the most of them because yeah, then you should. in in my case um and so you really need to make the most of them if those opportunities do come up because you might not actually get it again. Um, and you feel like, well, at least in my instance, my mind has drifted far more towards finals and, you know, preparing in terms of the knowledge and understanding side of things yeah. as opposed to the clinical skills. And so... I think you, that's the most important, to be honest, yeah. right now. No, it because, is, absolutely. Yeah. You can, your practice, like blood taking, cannula, all the others, You'll get it with time as you come here, when you come yeah, here. Definitely. But you just need to get through the first exam and yeah. then worry about the rest later. Exactly. Exactly. That's very true. And so do you feel like um, you've kind of settled in to the job so far within the first six months? Yeah, I'd say so, yeah. You get used to it and, yeah. Very nice. And so um, what are your intentions for the future? in terms of uh, what kind of specialties that you want to go in? Do, do you have any sort of idea at the moment? Um, at the moment, I'm thinking of obstetrics. Oh, so okay. Very interesting. It's not set in stone yet, but yeah. I have an obstetric rotation in F2. Okay. So ED and, F2, uh, ED and obstetrics, they're one of the things I'd like e- to do. Emergency medicine? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So, And I oh, have them both as an F2 Oh, that's good. Nice. I'll know once that's done what I'm really going to go into. Definitely. I've heard that it's it's a lot nicer to actually have the specialties that you're interested in in your second year of foundation years um, because obviously you're a lot more 
equipped. Just you, yeah, you're a lot more equipped and you're a lot more confident and competent at that point. And yeah. so you can actually just enjoy the experiences and you know maybe in terms of uh, obstetrics, actually try and get more time in, in theatre to to kind of help out with the surgeries and things like that as yeah. well. So yeah, that that definitely sounds good. And so. Going on to the the last thing then, uh, before we finish, Ed, I just wanted to get a chat to you about your Instagram account and and YouTube account, uh, Life with a Stethoscope, and what your what the main driver was for you to to actually create those accounts in the first place and build that sort of community. Yeah. So when I started off, I didn't start off as a channel that's like all medical related content and stuff like that so mm-hmm. how I started uh, my YouTube was uh, probably 2020 um, it was I think just when COVID hit okay yeah so I probably like just for a joke started vlogging my day and then I thought I was really like I enjoyed doing it and I was like oh mm-hmm. you know what I actually enjoy doing it and then I'd, I'd send it to people and they'd actually like what I was doing and they'd be interested and I was like oh even I like what I'm doing so that's when I was like oh let me start a YouTube channel and then I was like but I can't keep vlogging my days it's I want to bring something that you know you want to bring something to the table what is it that I have that I can actually use and that would benefit others and then I was like you know how like I was in clinical years at the time I think I was in my last year of med school so I was in last year of med school and I was like, oh, you know what? People probably be interested in what like what it's like as a final year medical student. Let me take them to the hospital with me or like how I start my day before clinical rotation, how I yep. study. So that's how it evolved. Probably within the first two months, it evolved to being based about uh, medicine and more like medical student and now kind of into like what a junior doctor does. So mm-hmm. At least I felt like that's what I could offer from my experience. Yeah, definitely. You know? Yeah. And what's the response been uh, throughout that whole process in, in terms of uh, like the, the community that you've, that you've developed over this time? So every time you post something, you're like, oh, you know, sometimes you're so focused on the numbers how many people like this? Yep. How many people are following you? How Definitely. many people are like, are you actually making a difference? Are you actually like putting out content that people actually like? And there'd be times you think, okay, God, like, I don't know, I'm probably wasting my time here. And then you get messages of people asking you, what do you think about uh, working as a doctor in the UK? How did you apply? And even people asking you to like look over their statements, their personal statements and help them for like interview questions and you're like oh wait people actually are finding some things and asking you questions so they really must be interested or like you can actually help them in some way so I think whenever I get a message like that I'm like oh my god yes I think I've done my bit of like (laughs) helping somebody you know because I think one of the hardest parts is more like it's not getting into medicine. It's more like applying for medicine, trying to figure out the times, the deadline, yeah. all it's that. It's getting in. It's the hardest part. It's the hardest part. And if you could make that easy for somebody else, like, then you've you're you're doing what you've started out doing. You know exactly. Yep, that's my thoughts exactly as well. I mean, it's it's even. Even things like, because I, I started doing uh, like vlogs, like, you know, week in the life of a medical student and day in the life of a medical student and things like that. And I, I, I enjoy making them, but then I started to think, well, actually, you know, is, is this actually bringing oh, any kind you. of tangible benefit to anyone? You know, all I'm showing is, oh, this is these are the types of things that I do. You know, this is the type of placement that I'm on and, and these are the, type, the, the typical things that I get up to. Um, and all that kind of stuff and you know you begin to question it but then actually you know the other day I got a comment on like one of those kind of videos just saying you know it's a guy that's got like a couple of med school interviews coming up and he's really excited and 
and actually, you know, these kind of videos are really motivating them and inspiring them yeah, to, yeah. to keep going, you know, and, and 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 to kind of push through, you know, it, it really the last barrier to actually getting into medical school um, and is using that as, as, as kind of motivation for them. And and I feel like, you know, that that made my day, you know, seeing something like that. Yeah. And, and actually, even the things that you don't, maybe you start to doubt, oh, is this actually having a tangible benefit on on someone who is a med school applicant, um, actually you, you get responses like that and you're actually reminded that, oh, actually, yeah, what I'm doing actually does at least bring, you know, yeah. benefit um, to to some people, which is nice. Yeah, it's always rewarding. Definitely. Um, and so do you have particular intentions in the future for like your social media presence? Um, are you, are you planning on just kind of continuing it with the, the typical videos that you're making on like Instagram and YouTube at the moment, or do you have any plans to develop that further? Um, I have plans, but it's just getting down. It's finding the time. It's the fact, I, I think it. more than anything, I just think I need to be more consistent posting both mm-hmm. Instagram and YouTube. And I yep. think, that's the first step to more is just trying to get the basics right, the consistency, the content. And I think I need to first start focusing on that more and work from there. So, yeah. Perfect. Well, Giovanna, I think that's everything that I wanted to ask um, here today. Uh, Do you have anything that the, you want to say, like, do you have any closing comments or anything before we finish the episode? Um, if anybody needs help um, with knowing what medical school or, like, what medical school I went to and how I applied, how I applied for, like, foundation year, like, even as even as an international student, just, like, hit me up and... I could run through the deadlines and how the process works just makes things easier for you instead of searching and searching and searching. Definitely. So, yeah. Very nice. And so for anyone listening, uh, if you want to, as Giovanna said, uh, if you want to uh, get in contact with her, you know, send her the message or whatever, um, or if you just want to, um, enjoy our content on either YouTube or Instagram, then I will link everything down in the, the show notes of the podcast. Um, and her username is life with a stethoscope uh, for both Instagram and YouTube. Is that right, Giovanna? Yeah. Yep. Perfect. So uh, that's the episode. Thank you everyone for listening. And thank you so much, Giovanna, for coming on the show. Thank you for asking me to do this. No it's my first all. first podcast, so hopefully it was okay. <laughs> no, it was fantastic, <laughs> and um, I just hope the listeners uh, found it as, as useful as I did. Um, but yeah, you did absolutely fantastic. So thank you so much for coming on. No, thank you, thank you so much. No worries. <laughs>